McEwen in the left wing. McEwen wheels in front and was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Cam York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 76 of the Liberty Yell. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? It's double-edged sword because it's episode seventy-six and the seventy-six. I'm all in on the seventy-sixers because nothing's changed as far as Flyers goes. Gary Mayhew is still my best player. Travis Konechny still can't score a goal. We were about to give Ristolainen the Brinks truck. I mean, get me the fuck out of here, bro. Yeah, I mean, you see that? I mean, I don't know how true that is. You gotta take it with a grain of salt because I mean, I haven't seen anybody. I mean, I haven't seen a Freeman. I haven't seen any of those guys announce that. But, I mean, Snow the Goalie isn't the worst kind of podcast or whatever to get that information from. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's not completely wrong. I'm not saying it's not true. But uh, I'm, all I'm saying is take it with a grain of salt. Uh, but, yeah, if, if that's true and Chuck Fletcher actually did offer him, what, six years at like six million plus, then... Oh my gosh, we got a problem on our hands. Six man. years at six point three. Holy. Yeah, I mean, if that's what we're doing, then <laughs> like you said, get me the fuck out, honestly. <laughs> like, sorry, pal. Yeah, no I mean, can do. No. But that it's such a bad, in my honest opinion, such a bad <laughs> tone setter for what this aggressive retool was is going to be. Yeah. Because if he's already pouring money i mean chuck fletcher just pours money man if you think about it i've been thinking about the last couple of days yeah i mean i had a conversation with somebody on the timeline and we were basically talking about i mean he's a good drafter i mean that's still to uh, to be determined elliot day looks like a steal at 135 uh you still got tyson forrester cam york bobby brink i mean you have these players that you look at and you're like okay i can probably work with these guys let's see what they see what they become so i mean his drafts haven't been that bad his trades, I mean, you look at the Atkinson trade, um, that's pretty good. Uh, he's not bad there, but, I mean, he starts getting bad when you start breaking down the contracts that he th- that he's just throwing at people. And Alex Appleyard came out with a tweet about two days ago. Um, if Ristolainen would have accepted that deal, the Flyers would have had Ellis, Hayes, Atkinson, Prorov, and Ristolainen taking up 40% of the entire cap for the next three years. And, like... He also goes on to say that I'm not calling these guys bad players, and I'm not calling Hayes a bad player. I'm not calling Agassin a bad player. I'm not calling Ristolainen a bad player. But these guys are not top-line guys that should be taking up 30% of your cap for the next three years. I mean, those are only five five guys on the team. And that's not that's not considering Giroux if he resigns, because that's still up in the air. I mean, I'm going back and forth with the whole Giroux thing. One day I'm like, he's gone. The other day I'm like, he's staying, isn't he? I mean, it's a constant back and forth with him. Um, so we'll see how that eventually unfolds. But it was terrifying. That tweet actually kind of terrified me. 30% of the cap to, to guys who just aren't top-line guys. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that 100%. I mean, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, that scenario is terrifying to me just because it, it leaves us middling with no sense of direction next year, and that's the last thing fans want. Yeah. We either If, if you're going to do this retool, you you got to do it right. Like, I've been preaching. I probably sound like such a broken record at this point, but you got to actually get guys. you got to go out and acquire talent. You can't just overpay Ristolainen. Like, that's not... You're going to be right back in the same boat next year. Hopefully, you can get an eighth seed, maybe a seventh seed. And all fans want right now is a direction. 
And yeah. if you, if those, however, so many players take up 30, 40% of your cap, then you're left without any direction. I mean, and if Ristolainen is was smart, and he is, I'm sure his agent's right behind him telling him that if you sign this contract, you're dumb. I mean, you're he would be really, 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 really dumb to sign this contract right now when he knows for a dead fact that he could get more on the open market. Someone's going to overpay for Rasmus Ristolainen, and I don't want it to be us. If 6.3 is Chuck's maximum offer, then okay. Then I'm okay with that. If that's Chuck being like, this is what we're going to give you and nothing more, here it is now, why not just wait on it, then I'm okay with that. But if that's Chuck just starting out, like negotiating, and he like ends at like 6-5 or, or God forbid 7, then I'm out. I'm completely out. And that's not saying that I don't like what Ristolainen has brought to this team. Uh, I, I think Ristolainen is so much more than what a fucking graph or what a heat map tells you he is. I mean, we saw it yesterday against... Who they versus Washington, that 2-1 win. I'm pretty sure the man has seven to eight hits. I mean, he just, the physicality that he brings. I mean, I talk about it with you all the time off the mic. I would have died to see him play a playoff game in Philadelphia. Could you imagine game three or game four in Philadelphia after after we split a, split the series, uh, the first two series games or whatever the fuck that we would play, and it's 1-1 coming back to Philly, and he opens up the first two minutes with a three huge hits. I mean, that, that building would be going insane. Mm. I mean, he brings so much more than what, like I say, so much more than what a, a heat graph would tell you, but I'm not giving him more than six. I'm not giving him more than six, man. I'm really not. And that's not to say I don't like him. I, I don't want to hear the people, be, oh, you don't like Mr. No. I, that's not at all. It's just, I, he's not worth more than six. He's not. I'm sorry. Justin Braun has more points than him this year. I'm sorry. That, that, yeah, that might have been Chuck's max offer. This is just me speculating, yeah. but the deadline is less than a month away, and he was probably like, all right, here's the our realistic offer. Like, we're not going to get in a bidding war with you. Here's our realistic offer for you. Do you want it or not? And if he says no, well, now you can take this time to shop him, I hope. Yeah, exactly. I hope it, that's it, the case. But as far as you said with Ristolainen in the playoffs, it sucks. And another guy who I want to see in a playoff game in Philadelphia is fucking Carter Hart, dude. The only time I've seen him play in the playoffs is in that – AAU tournament up in Toronto a couple <laughs> years back. I would love to see him in a, in a imagine like a two nothing game, like you said, a big wrist alignment hit followed by a big like Carter Hart cross crease save. That's Carter, all I want. Carter I was, was Carter. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Carter was excellent last night against the. I mean, not last night. Well, yesterday after uh, Saturday afternoon against the the Capitals. I mean, he was awesome. Twenty eight yeah, shots against. Games. He steals games, and like you said, if. We're getting robbed of of Carter Hart games in Philadelphia. Like you said, the only time that we've seen him in the playoffs was in a bubble, and he was the only reason why we came out of that Montreal series with the win. I mean, I mean, I'll always go back on that. Carter Hart is the sole reason we left the that that series with a win against a twenty fourth seed Canadians that should that, that should have been playing golf at the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel robbed. I'm sure you feel robbed. I mean, I'm, I sit here and I watch other teams play, and I just feel robbed of watching yeah. hockey. I mean, I like saw the you... Carolina game today. I mean, the Rangers, Sick. I think, are about to come on. The Rangers are another team that I look at and and just I'm just bitter and pissed because like all year people are like hyping up Shesterkin, and he deserves it. He's a great goalie, and he's putting on great performances. But mm-hmm. I just know that's the kind of national hype Hart would be receiving if he had a good team. But the Flyers are so painfully boring that, painfully I, that boring. like we don't even really want to fucking talk about them. No, that's how boring they are. 
I mean, I remember I was sitting there with my dad watching that Penguins-Rangers game yesterday, and he was like, arms crossed, looking at the TV, and he looked over at me, and he was like, who do you want to win this game? I mean, like, it, it's hard to choose, but I was like, honestly, Dad, Pittsburgh. Because I, I, I'm, I'm so past the point and in, in complaining about that team, I just came to terms with the fact that they will never go away. So, I, Pittsburgh. I was like, fuck it, let Pittsburgh win. Let's let uh, New York lose. Tristan Jari completely outplayed Shazirkin last night. I mean, Jari was absolutely insane. So, uh, it's just, that's the point that we're at now. I'm a Sixers fan. I'm rooting for the, not rooting for the Penguins. I don't care if the Penguins win. I mean, this has been like one of the worst seasons. I mean, we talked about it last episode. This is the worst season that I have ever watched. By far. I don't even think it's close. Yeah. And watch, just watch. I I believe it's Wednesday when Harden makes his Wells Fargo Center debut. Oh, yeah. The diff, like just the side by side. I I would, I might do that. <laughs> I might go up to the to the last home Flyers game, pull up a crowd shot, and then do one for that Sixers game. I mean, you should, you should. I uh, I have a little stat for you, real quick. Since January first, the Flyers are the worst team in hockey. They're thirteen, fourteen, <laughs> and four. Since January first, man, they are the bottom of the barrel, right behind the New Jersey Devils. They are three, fourteen, and four. I'm sorry, dude. I don't know even if I Arizona and Montreal look good lately. Yeah. Like they really do. I, th- I think Arizona's winning right now, and Montreal's on a five-game win streak. Yeah, uh, Arizona's the seventh worst. Montreal's the fifth worst. We're right behind New Jersey, but we are in the basement, the worst team in the league. Yeah, New Jersey won't give us anything. I've been watching New Jersey religiously, and they gave us that big win against the Penguins. But dude, like they suck. I know. So do we, though. <laughs> yeah, mean, so do we. We are so... I mean, the last three games, last four games have been okay to watch. I mean, we talk about how you can play the right way, which they have been. I mean, they haven't been bad the last handful of games. But, I mean, the skill is eventually going to get taken over. Uh, the, the second and third period on Saturday against Washington was spent entirety in our zone. I mean, I don't know if you watched any of that, but we were up by a goal, and we were just playing dump and change hockey dump and change hockey it looked like i mean obviously they just wanted to get the win but i mean there was no offensive pressure there was nothing it was just literally just get the red line dump it in change get the red line dump it in change let's let's just sprawl for block shots and and and, and get the w i mean it's the it, classic 2-1 carter hart steals the game yeah occasional I, win it's definitely like a probably a way to weight off their shoulders i mean you saw the way they reacted with patrick brown at the end after he blocked that shot to win the game i mean they all crowded them at the bench and started like putting their gloves in their face and i mean yeah it's nice to see them win i mean i'm sure it's it's good for the morale of the team obviously you don't want to lose every single game i mean i talked about it last episode in the beginning Uh, i'm it's tough for me to sit here and root for them to lose obviously i'm a i'm a diehard flyers fan but i mean Winning doesn't really matter other than the morale of the team, getting these young guys win, showing that these young guys that losing is unacceptable. I mean, other than, like, taking the little things out of it, winning doesn't really matter right now. It really doesn't. I mean, I hate to say it. I I, I really do. I sound like a negative fan. But, I mean, other than good morale and showing these younger players that losing is unacceptable and shit like that, I mean, we're not making the playoffs. Playoffs are so out of reach. It's not even funny. Uh, I mean, you- you're just being realistic. Like, honestly, like, I have to say that. Like, anyone who says, oh, that's that's just a toxic way of thinking. I think the reverse. I think your way of thinking is toxic. I think you're setting yourself up for failure by wanting wins at this point in the season. Because, like... I agree. You, 
you want a top five pick as a result of a trash can season like this. If not, then there's nothing you can take out of it because it's not like you're playing Morgan Frost regularly. It's not like you're playing Cam York regularly. Like, you need some kind of positive from this season. I need some kind of positive from this season. Yeah, I know. And I'm not going to I'm not gonna scream. I mean, I thought about this long and hard before we pressed record today. I'm not going to scream about the whole Morgan Frost, Cam York, Zamula thing until the trade deadline passes. If it's March 28th and Frost, York, Zamula, and all these younger guys are still in – Still in the AHL, and Isaiah Ratcliffe is is still getting fourth line minutes. I'm pretty sure he played on the top line for maybe a game, maybe a game or two. But if that's the case, and we start seeing that happening after the trade deadline, I mean, after Braun goes, after Drew maybe goes, after Ristolainen maybe goes, then I'm gonna have a problem. Then I'm gonna have a serious. Like if we're still seeing Nick Sealer at that time, then I mean, I don't know. I I really don't know what to say, man. I really don't. I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely want like I want, I don't mind seeing wins, but obviously yeah. on the surface I want to see losing. And this is one random Philly example I have. But was anyone complaining when the Eagles intentionally lost that game against the Giants to drop to the sixth pick to inevitably <laughs> acquire than, the than, ninth pick to get Devontae Smith? Other I mean, than the, Joe the Giants Judge. were yeah, Joe Judge and the Giants were bitching, but it's kind of like the same thing. It's like if you're in a spot as a team, you go, all right, we sucked this year. We spent to the cap. We sucked. We can get a top five pick. Why not fucking do that? Yeah, I mean, it, I, we talked about it, dude. Uh, we, we've talked about it on the mic. We've talked about it off the mic. It would be the exact flyer's way to have this kind of season and then go on a 10-game win streak or some shit like that and then get – completely taken out of that one to eight range i mean i talked about this with you at like two o'clock in the morning a couple days ago they need to stay in the one to eight range i mean i think this i think that i think they can get a really good player if they stay in the one to eight range and it, it would be such the flyers way of of winning games at the end of the season that don't matter i mean if in the whole rundown of things it doesn't matter if they win games of course it's nice to see them win games of course you don't want these guys to lose every single game yeah they're hockey players obviously they're going to go out there and try to win games they're paid to win games but it would be such the flyers thing to do to go out here and and win games <laughs> with like Keith Yandel playing a guy who's not going to fucking be here next year a guy like Gary Mayhew as as fun as it's been to watch him when this team's healthy, he's not beating anybody out for for a roster spot. I I would be shocked if next year comes around and we go through this quote unquote aggressive rebuild and Gary Mayhew wins a spot out of camp. I mean, maybe a fourth line spot, maybe the thirteenth fourth spot, but I would be shocked. I would be shocked. So I mean, it would just be it would be the Flyers thing to to lose out on that one to eight range. And I hate sitting here and saying that, but it's true. Like you said, I'm just being realistic. I mean, they are the worst team in the league since January 1st. They are in the bottom of the league since January 1st. So, I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say. I mean, I'm just being realistic here. And something to add on to that. Hmm. Like, Montreal's winning. Vancouver, they hired a new coach. They're winning. The theme with that is those teams hire new guys. The Flyers stayed put. They put an interim coach in and basically said, fuck it, we're just going to play out this year go to the trade deadline and just watch the year essentially if they hired a new coach who was going to be the future guy i would probably say yeah i would like to see like some system implemented but Mm -hmm. i cannot stand mike yo (laughs) and i quite frankly i don't think he deserves to win games he's brutal man no i agree i mean i i 
laughed at his excuse for Frost. Uh, he 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 praises Frost's power play play on uh, against the Blues. I mean, I thought Frost looked really good. And then he turns around and goes, "It's a business. It's competition. What competition are you talking about, man?" Derek Broussard has played in. Let's see. Derek Broussard has played in 21 games this year, and I'm I, and I'm not going to shit on Derek Broussard because when he's been healthy, he's been good. Because I'm always going to go back to the fact that I'm not going to blame the season completely on Chuck Fletcher. Because if you actually go down and look at his looks at his his trades and his moves this off season, they've been pretty good. So when Derek Broussard has been healthy. He's been okay. Four goals, seven assists, 11 points in 21 games. That's not terrible. But, I mean, what competition are you talking about? And then he goes and says that Frost needs to uh, create more speed through the neutral zone. The entire the entire team needs to create more speed through the neutral zone, man. I mean, they can't break out a, a, a puck twice in, in, in one shift. I mean... I, I'm not saying he, I'm not going to sit here and try to defend Frost because I don't think he's been that good this year. I mean, do I think he's been given a, a the right kind of chance to that that like best fit his skill set? Like he should be in the top six at all times. Like he should not be in any kind of bottom six on any kind of team. But uh, it just I don't know how you can sit there and, and, and nitpick Morgan Frost. When Nick Sealer and Keith Yandel and, and and these other guys are on the team, Max Willman hasn't done shit. I mean, I know he also sat with Frost, but I mean, James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, do we have to get into James Van Riemsdyk? He has four goals, three assists, seven points in his last twenty games. I mean, are you kidding me? Where's where's the where's the where's the shit talking for JVR? Where's the accountability for JVR? I mean, I I don't understand. I really don't understand. Travis Konechny has one goal, six assists, seven points in his last 10 games, three goals, 10 assists in his last 20. I mean, okay. I mean, you can throw assists at me all you want. I mean, and I know like 70% of them have been primary assists, but I mean, this guy tricked us. He scores like 20, 24 goals a season his first two seasons, and then he doesn't, doesn't, he just stops. He just completely stops. And I, I, I feel bad for shitting on him because I don't think he's been terrible as bad as like, a lot of Flyers fans have said, but he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good. So, I mean, I don't know where, like, why people are defending him so hard. Because he makes faces? Because he makes yeah, funny it's memes? Like, it's like all year you're waiting for the moment where he has, like, a two-goal game and you, you see him celebrate and you could just see it. Like, all right, all right. He's starting to get it. And it just never came. It just never happens. Like, yep. that one, he got two goals, I believe, in back-to-back games, like, a month or two ago. And at that point, I was like, "All right, maybe TK will get rolling," and he's just been dead quiet ever since. So ever since, I mean, since the last time that we've talked, um, about a week ago, they are one, one, and one. Since then, uh, they lost that four-three overtime against Carolina, where Mayhew and Patrick Brown scored. <laughs> Power play was zero for three. The PK was one for one, and then that four-one debacle against St. Louis, where Braden Shen scored. I mean, you could have. I don't know why I didn't bet that. That was a lock for Braden Shen to come in here and score. Uh, Limblom goal power play went over two again. Uh, it's just and then the two one win against Washington, which it, it was a good game, but they got outplayed the last two periods. I mean, it was dump and change hockey, like I said ten minutes ago. So I mean, Carter Hart was the only reason why they came out with that win. I mean, he was brilliant. Uh, he's been really good this year. As much shit as uh, our boy Drew Smith will talk on him and try to get a reaction out of me, uh, he's been. He's been fantastic this year. I mean, he really was. Uh, if there was an Olympics this year, I'm pretty sure he would he would have been one of the goalies for Team Canada. So, yeah, it's it sucks. Right now, I'm 
like you said, we're we're huge Sixers fans. Um, I'm looking at Bobby Brink highlights. I'm <laughs> Bobby Brink stats. Who's still number one in college hockey in points with uh, 50 points in 31 games, <laughs> 36 goals and 37 assists. I mean, 13 goals and 37 assists. I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Last 20 games, eight goals, 26 assists. He's been brilliant. He's been awesome. I want to touch back on the Frost Broussard thing. Yeah. One more time. Yeah. It, the reason why it angers me is because when I sit there and think about it, I go, "What reasoning would the coaching staff or the organization as a whole have for putting Broussard in over Frost?" And obviously, the obvious one on the surface is trade deadline, trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But they want to show that he's healthy enough to be traded. That's what I think it is. I mean, that's what I hope it is. Th- that's probably what it boils down to. But it's it's to the point where it's, at least in my mind, where, I mean, I'm a fan of the game. And even before Derek Broussard came here, I I, I knew who Derek Broussard was. I knew <laughs> Derek Broussard has played 15 seasons in the NHL. I mean, what kind of showcase do we need? I mean, yeah, just, just say he's healthy. Cool. Uh, do they not want him to be scratched because it looks bad for his stock? Uh, that's what I if, hope it is, honestly, dude. I, if uh, you're worried about the stock of a guy on a veteran minimum deal <laughs> over the stock of a guy who is projected to be on the team for years to come, that's problematic. What, so you can make your six-round pick go to a conditional fifth? I'd rather see Morgan Frost improve. I know he has not been better, or he hasn't been great, hasn't blown the doors off the arena. Nobody has. I mean, for fuck's sake, Scott Lawton's been better than JVR, TK, and Lindblom. Yeah, Gary, like, it's atrocious out there. Gary Mayhew has been our best player, dude. I mean... The, the, the bar is fucking low right now. <laughs> the bar is extremely low for a lot of people right now. I can't blame them. I mean, people are just grabbing at anything they can, and I, I don't blame them. If you're an optimistic fan, I mean, like I, I like to think that me and you are uh, pretty optimistic people. And, I mean, Lawton's play has been awesome. I can't deny. Lawton has been really good. He's playing in a expanded role with TK and uh, JVR for a little bit. I'm pretty sure he's playing with – who's he playing with now? Because JVR dropped down to Broussard's line with Mayhew. Limblom, I think. Lindy's definitely one. I don't know who else though. Limblom and TK's who he's been, who's he, uh, who he's been with lately. And Walton's been good, man. I mean, he really has four goals, five assists, nine points in his last ten. Four goals, eleven assists, fifteen points in his last twenty. I mean, Walton has been good for the amount of money that he makes. I'll always go look back at his contract and. I don't think his contract's that bad. I mean, he makes three million dollars a year. If you want to move it, you could always move it. It's a very movable contract and. It was rumored last year that it was either move him or, or, or resign him. And I remember Chuck Fletcher hopping on Snow the Goalie and saying that I was dangerously close to trading Scott Lawton last year. So if you want to move that contract, you definitely could. Um, I think any team nowadays is going to be taking a Scott Lawton. I, I think that's the kind of player that you would love to have on a on a little playoff team. Um, but I would like to keep him. I would. But, I mean, if a team's offering a first-round pick, you – you <laughs> you run with that. You take it and you absolutely run with it. But yeah, it goes back to our like nobody's untouchable outside of heart thing. It's just yeah. got to be the right deal, and you'll be able to sway me. Yeah, uh, that, that's what it comes down to ultimately. And to go back on the Brassard thing right before we uh, stop talking about him because it's not much to talk about. At the end of the day, that's what I hope it is, Danny. I I, I really do hope it's just them showcasing the other teams that like hey. I know he's only played 21 games this year, but he looks good. I know Broussard said post-game that it's the best he's felt since he got injured. 
and I'm happy for him. I hope to see you in an Oriole jersey. I hope to see you in a Nashville Predators jersey uh, come playoff time. Like, go on a little playoff run because you're not the future here. You're not going to be on this team in in, in the next two, three years. So, I mean, I'm probing and praying it's them just trying to, quote-unquote, showcase him. I mean, like you said, there's only so much that you can showcase a guy on yeah. a vet minimum deal. But when he's been healthy this year, he has been good. So I can't really talk that much shit on, on Broussard. As as much as we've been talking shit on this team this year, you can't. him and uh, Lawton have been good. Uh, yeah, no, it ain't Broussard himself. It's like I just, I'm just i blaming the organization for this one. It, it's almost yeah. in, a lo- in a lost season like this, what is more important to you, making your sixth-round pick a fifth or watching a slumping, clearly slumping, in his own head, Morgan Frost improve? and take strides going into next season. I mean, like, it just feels like a no-brainer to me, but whatever. I don't get paid to make decisions. (laughs) I mean, I wish he did, but like I said, after this uh, March 21st trade deadline comes and goes, and and if we're still seeing the same thing, that's when you'll see me hop on here and probably lose my fucking mind, even though we're in the bottom of the league since January 1st. But like I said, if if this continues, then I have no idea what they're doing. It makes no sense. Like, Flair's like, we want York to get bigger AHL minutes. And I'm sitting there like, I know the NHL team sucks, and don't get me wrong. They fucking blow. But it's not like you're sending him down to a good AHL team. I, mean, I, I'm, I think they're in a little, like, playoff run. I think they could make the playoffs. But, I mean, they're not a good team either. They're really not. So, I mean... They also commented on the fact that York might be one of those guys that just plays better in the NHL because it's more structured up here. Guys are more available for passes, and that's what York really excels at. And, I mean, I've said that since the rip. I I think York, along with Isaiah Ratcliffe, are just those kind of guys who play better like Morgan Frost, even though Frost is a point-per-game player in the NHL. I I think those kind of guys translate better to the NHL because of the skill set, because of the better structure in in the NHL. So... I mean, I don't understand why sending him down to the AHL by playing like 25 to 30 minutes a night would, would do him better than playing in the NHL right now and making the mistakes now in a lost season rather than make them next year when we're potentially and hopefully fighting for a playoff spot. Like, I, I don't understand that. Would you rather York fuck up now? Which, I mean, he which doesn't do much of in the NHL because he's a pretty good player. Would you rather them do it in the NHL right now in a lost season or in the AHL on a bad team? I I, I don't understand. Yeah, like I said, if this barrels over to the 21st of March, then that's when I'll come on here and start screaming. Like, Zamula's got to get a look. York's got to get a look. Frost better be playing 1C or 2C. 3C, too. I mean, it needs to, he needs to be getting 20, 22 minutes a night. I, I, I don't understand what they're doing. Um, no, I'm going to save it. Because it makes no fucking sense. Like, when, when you have Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes out for the majority of the season, both your 1 and 2C, and then you see that Morgan Frost all year has been playing with fucking Willman and shit, it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Dude, Fedgeru wants one with Colorado, and I don't think he ever played with him again. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And if I'm, if I'm gathering this right... From, if the rumors are correct from Twitter, Chuck's plan to aggressively retool the defense was banking on Ellis to get healthy, re-signing Ristolainen, and Jeff Petrie. Am I am I gathering that right? Was that about to be our <laughs> our retool on defense? Because what else were we going to do? I think the whole 
I think the whole Jeff Petrie thing is is them like a backup plan kind of thing. If they go out and they trade Ristolainen and then they trade Braun, which I think Braun is 100% gone. I, I do not think Braun is back with this team after March 21st. I, I really don't. I think he would be a terrific add to a lot of playoff teams. I mean, that dude has been really good this year. He has more points than Ristolainen. He has 14 points in 52 games. Hasn't missed a game. And Ristolainen has 13 in 45. And he makes $1.8 million a, a year, his cap hit. I mean, I think he would be an awesome, awesome add. So, I mean, I don't think Braun's going to be back, but I think the Petrie thing was, hey, if we end up trading Ristolainen for a first and Braun for a hopeful second, I really do think Braun could bring you back a second and a third. Um, I don't think he would be a terrible a terrible backup plan, Petrie. I'm, I'm pretty sure he only has three years left on his deal at like 6.2. Um, and I think he's being overshadowed by a really bad Montreal team. I, mean, I remember him in the playoffs when they made that Stanley Cup run. He was playing top two minutes, top four minutes, and he looked really good. No, so, Jeff Petrie's a stud, for sure. It's yeah. it's it's the fact that he's gonna probably going to be 35 by the time he plays in a Flyers uniform. Yeah, he's 34 right now. He had He's not a free agent until 2025, 2026, and he makes 6.2. So, I mean, if you lose Ristolainen and Braun, I don't think he's a terrible ad. But then again... If you do lose Rissalon and M. Braun, what are you giving up for him? What are you giving up for Petrie? Because I'm pretty sure they don't have a second-round pick next year, this year. And you're not trading a first for Petrie. And if you do, I will lose my fucking mind. But it all comes back to, okay, if you do lose Risto and you do lose Braun, who, what are you trading you don't have a, a, 22, a 2022 second-round pick this year, and you don't have a, t- a 2023 second-round pick. So you have a first this year, you have a first next year, you have all the other picks except for the second rounds the next two years. So what are you going to give up for Petrie? I don't know, but I don't think it's a terrible backup plan. Um, but that's I think it's only if Risto goes. If, if That's when you'll see the Petrie, the Petrie move. I hope so. I hope all of his cards didn't just get put on the table and his his defensive retooling plan wasn't just revealed to me as re-signing Risto, getting Petrie, and banking on Ellis. Yeah, it's basically like this. If Risto and wrong goes, would you rather have had Risto for six years at like 6.2 or Petrie for the next like three years at 6.2? Yeah, if Risto goes, then then we can look into that. Yeah. For sure. But like you said, if... If the plan was to keep Risto and sign him to that contract and then go trade for Petrie, then we have a problem. Then I'm like, okay, what are we doing? Because I'm not, I'm not paying Petrie six point two. Like Montreal better be eating cap if we're trading for Petrie with Risto line and still on this team. Like he better be playing with Cammy work next year on a third line kind of role for like three million for the next three years. Um, other than that, then that's when you'll start seeing me be a little bit upset. But. It's not. Yeah, the, I guess let's showcase Broussard. Let's showcase Yandel. Yeah, I mean Giroux. guys who've been around for twenty plus years. Everyone knows who they are. <laughs> Giroux, Ristolainen, Justin Braun, Broussard, Yandel, and Martin Jones are the guys that I think that could possibly be gone after the twenty first. Um, I obviously Yandel has a no trade clause, so he'd have to waive it to move. I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, I he's, think he would do that gladly. Yeah. I saw some tweets today that was like, "Oh, it's up to him. He he ain't gonna do it." I'm like, "Why wouldn't he?" 
Why would he want to stay what, here? Because get... Kevin Hayes is here, dude? Yeah, why like... would he want to just stay here just to get clowned on Twitter for a couple more months instead of going on a playoff run? It makes no sense. Of course he would waive that. Which is granted. I mean, it's not like he's having a good season and we're shitting on him, dude. He has one goal, 13 assists, 14 points in 52 games. The guy that I was told can quarterback a power play in his, in his sleep can't even accept the pass without looking like he's stumbling over his feet. I mean, Cam York is such a better option at uh, power play quarterback than he is right now. It's not even remotely funny. It actually kind of makes me laugh. such a better option that they put him in day one. Yeah. I and mean, then they won't play him now. It's ridiculous to me. It, it, it's it's not rocket science, Danny. Like, it's uh, we're sitting here on our fucking couches and we see it. Like, we have, we're not scouts, we're not NHL coaches, and we see it. So, I mean, it's not like they're fucking doing anything crazy when York comes up and you put him up there with uh, Giroux on power play one. I mean, you, the way York can just move the defenders with his feet and his eyes on the back end of that power play is so chemo team within like I mean that's the first thing that I saw when I started scout in New York like three four years ago it, it, the, the way he can create shooting lanes the with, with his feet and eyes is second to none I mean I, I I really wish we got more of Drew and 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 Cam York with Frost on the other wall I mean how fun would that be but I mean that's too fun that's that's just, that's too fun. That's too easy for the Flyers to do something like yeah. that. Because right? why why would we take positives, any positives away, <laughs> at all? Let's just let's just make it all bad. Yeah, like and, the big- just let's go on a little ten game win streak now, just to put the cherry on top and make it the worst possible season ever. Are you excited for that, bro? Are you excited for this next? I don't think they can do it. See, like other years, I would say like oh they're stubborn. They're in years past, what got them those wins, I feel like, was was off games on the power play where they get a couple goals. Like, this team can't score a power play goal for shit, bro. Like, they suck, dude. Nah, they're brutal. Uh, they yeah, don't... the second and third period of that Capitals game. Like you said, no matter how hard you work, and no, no doubt about it, the effort's been there, but no matter how hard Gary Mayhew works, sometimes Nicholas Backstrom is just better. Sometimes Alex, Alex Ovechkin at 70% can beat Gary Mayhew at 100%. So that's the difference. Yeah. That's why I don't think they're going to go on any kind of run. They might win a couple, but, I mean, shit, when they play teams like Arizona, Ottawa, New Jersey, like, they get their shit handed to them. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that last pod. I mean, those teams They even up. lost to Montreal this season. They did. There's when they game. were bad. Jackson Case scored and Millman scored in that game. I was at uh, PP Dubs when that happened, just laughing, honestly. They haven't scored a play uh, a power play goal in the last three games. They are 0 for seven in the last three games. Even though that they've looked good, I mean, I I kind of give them credit there. Even though that they've lost two out of the three since we've last talked, they have not scored on the power play. They are 0 for seven, so that's fun. I love the I love the uh, the comments from people on Twitter. They're like, "Oh, the the second unit looks better than the first. I mean, Okay, <laughs> like, you're not saying anything, dude. The first fucking unit sucks. Okay, the the second unit can move the puck, like, a little bit better than the, the first unit can. Okay, cool. I, mean, I don't give a fuck. I mean, James Van Reems, like, is a, is a quote-unquote power play guy, and he doesn't do shit. JVR fucking sucks, dude. I mean, I, mm, I'm not going to say I hate him because I hate a strong word, and I don't hate the man, but, I mean, I can't stand the JVR, the hockey player. I think he's just an inconsistent... Just, uh, I can't. I just can't stand them, man. I agree. Like we're not in it for puck movement. Like you, they're down a man. It's five v four. I want a fucking goal. Of course you can move the puck when they're down a man. I would hope the first unit can't. That's why they're so atrocious. No, they can't do anything, bro. Uh, they really can't. I mean, it's absurd. Then you watch the Carolina Hurricanes at even strength. 
put together plays that we couldn't put together at five on three. I, th- that video was disgusting. It, it, it genuinely made my stomach turn. It made me feel sick watching that. I mean, that was that was such a beautiful goal, such a beautiful play on five and five. It just did you see Aho's goal uh, on the power play like right before that? It's just it's sickening, dude. Yeah, it's absolutely sickening the way that other teams can move the puck, and Carolina isn't even the best power play unit in the league. They're the best PK unit in the league. I mean, their PK is absolutely insane. I mean, they're so in sync, it's not even funny. And I made a tweet uh, yesterday, no, today. Uh, you could just tell Carolina is so conditioned, so conditioned. And I guess it helps when you walk into the room at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning to go work out, and you see your head coach already drenched in sweat. It definitely gives you a little boost. I know it would give me a little boost. If I walked in, I saw my head coach fucking benching 225 or 250 I'm, okay like this guy means business i mean you actions speak louder than words and that's something that uh, i said to uh, i quote tweeted one of yo's tweets about frost like are you, you being good you're doing good things keep your head up is what he told frost you're doing good things keep your head up after praising his power play work the day before but you're sitting for Derek broussard i i mean that kid's got to be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, you're not even going to be here next year, and you're trying to send me messages? You're trying to send messages to me, and you're not going to be here next year? Uh, I'm not even... It's not even set in stone that Morgan Frost is going to be here next year. It's not. I mean, like we said, nobody on this team, in my opinion, is off the table except Carter Hart. Now, is that saying that we're willing to give up draw Fairby for a pack of fucking peanuts? No. That's not what we're saying. And if that's what you think we're saying, then go fuck yourself. But... There's a lot of there's a lot of things that could happen this off season. Um, that like I can't defend. Like I can't get mad at Morgan Frost potentially getting traded, even though I like him as a player. I mean, we have other teams salivating. Did you see that guy on our that Couple guy make, people salivating? They're like, if they don't know what to do with Morgan Frost, you need to go get him. And I quote tweeted with just an LOL, and then he I I think he replied to me thinking that. I was saying, LOL, Frost is bad, like, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he's a good player. And I replied, no, 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 that's not what I'm laughing at. I'm laughing at the fact that we have no idea what to do with this kid. We have no idea how to properly develop him. And other teams are salivating at the idea that he might be available. I mean, it's disgusting. It really is. It's disgusting. Hey, bro, to your point about the Hurricanes, like, they're probably my favorite this year. I'm going to be honest. They're a good hockey team, man. They're, if I had to pick a team right now, like put my money on, I believe the Hurricanes are like sixth in Stanley Cup odds. I honestly would pick them just because they, they have deep playoff runs over the last couple years to show for building their culture. Like you said, they're great defensively. The PK is phenomenal. Their head coach built, built a culture that is energetic. I think you're eventually going to see them run into the Lightning or the Panthers, and I think they'll get it done this year. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, God forbid, Danny. They lost Dougie Hamilton last year, and they didn't miss a beat. They didn't miss a beat. I mean, now you they got, got goaltending now. Yeah, you got Seth Jarvis, who plays on the second line. I mean, that's a 19, 20-year-old kid that they're putting in a extremely good spot next to Vincent Trocek and Martin, Martin Nakis. I mean, you got Jasperi Cotton and Emmy playing on the fourth line. But, I mean, that fourth line consists of Jordan Martin-Hook and Steven Lorenz. I mean, they have such a deep deep fucking team and that's what i mean i remember saying last last week or two weeks ago on the pod 
you need four lines that you can roll in the playoffs. And the Carolina Hurricanes have four lines that can that, that they can roll night in and night out. I mean, they they have one of those teams where the first line gets off, the second line finally gets off, and you just you're just like, oh my god, the third line, oh my god, here comes the fucking fourth line. Like, gee, and it never ends. It's never never ending with them. They are they relentlessly pursue the puck. They are annoying as shit on the forecheck. I cannot imagine trying to break a puck out against them. As I think, just have an extremely extremely deep defense, man. I mean, Jacob Slavin, Brent Pesci. Uh, Brady, uh, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Ian Cole, um, Jalen Chatfield. I have no, I, I have no idea why Daily Faceoff has Brett Pesci on the first and second pairing. I have no idea what's up with that because t- t- I'm pretty sure Tony D'Angelo is out right now. But I mean, they just have an extremely deep team, and like you said, now they have a, now they have goaltending, so uh, they're they're definitely scary. I could see them getting it done too. Freddie Whereas and Ronta. we have to sit for the lottery and the trade deadline. I have to sit and watch my captain potentially get traded in like a less than a month. That's what I'm looking. That's what I'm quote unquote looking forward to, even though I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. So Giroux's one thousandth game as a Flyer comes on, I believe, the eighteenth of March against Ottawa on the road. Yeah, uh, that's a. And the day before that is another game at home. So I, I imagine game 999, some kind of ceremony maybe. Ottawa, game 1000, that could be the send-off. But there also is a game on the 20th. I just don't know if... He'll be gone by then, yeah. yeah, I, mean, I, just, uh, yeah. I could picture... I mean, that's a 2 o'clock game at home against the Islanders. That just... I don't know about you, but I can just see a Drewless Flyers team just looking terrible on a Sunday at 2 o'clock against the Islanders, just being like, okay, this is the team without Just Giroux. a corpse. Yeah. It's yeah. just going to be a corpse A skeleton. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, I could – it just it, – it's it all looks too familiar, Danny. And I – we haven't even been here. Like, we've obviously never traded Drew away, but I, it all feels too familiar because all I know with this franchise is losing. Like we said on text all the time, this team has given me and you, who are only 22 years old, so we haven't watched too much hockey in the past decade. I mean, I I started watching hockey when I was about six, seven. And I mean, those teams in '06 and '07 were fucking brutal. But when I really started to like comprehend what I was watching was probably around like '08, '09. I mean, I was only eight, nine years old. So they have given us one playoff, one Cinderella playoff run in 2010, and then nothing. And then a, a a playoff win in the bubble against Montreal. Like I, I don't give a fuck about that, dude. I don't even count that. Like the round robin, like the NHL counts the round robin for playoff points. Why? Why? That's the, literally the, the most pointless thing that I've ever heard about, ever heard in my entire life. You're counting the round robin as actual playoff points. Okay. I don't count that Montreal series win, dude. I really don't. I mean, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I don't count that. It just. They should have lost that series. They squeaked by the fucking Canadians because of Carter Hart in a bubble in front of nobody, in front of chairs. That's what I don't get about other fans who are being optimistic. It's like, I don't, I don't blame you. And honestly, I don't want to be the guy to, to tell someone not to yeah, I, look on the positive side of things. But it's it's almost like... I've we've done the reason why I'm not that right now is because I've done that before. Yes. In fact, I did that over the last 10 years. 2015, 16, 17, I would convince myself 
that things were going to get better and they eventually didn't. So at a certain point, you just you got to look to the team of people doing it and be pissed at them until they fix it. Uh, perfectly said. Uh, that, that's, exa- that's the exact reason right now why we're not like, okay, hold on. Couturier, Hayes coming back. Uh, Elvis kind of healthy next year. You got Frost, hopefully. You got Bobby Brent. I mean, that's the only, that's the reason why me and you aren't sitting here, man, because it's the same song and dance every single year. And I'm, am I going to sit here and shit on the people who are optimistic? No, go right ahead. Do whatever you got to do. I'm not going to shit on anybody for having an opinion, but I just don't agree with it. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to be optimistic. So don't shit on me for being up opti- for not being optimistic. If you know what I mean? Like you can think whatever you want to think. Uh, everyone has their own opinion. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But like Danny just said, he perfectly put it. The only reason why me and him, who are pretty optimistic people, I like to think, aren't optimistic is because the last 10 years we've been doing the same thing. It's been fucking rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat for the last 10 fucking years, man. And I'm tired of it. I'm really, 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 really tired of it. They should not be this bad. Even with the guys that are out, even with Couturier, even with Hayes, even with Ellis out, they should not be as bad as they are. You still have Claude Giroux, Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim, Rasmus Ristolainen, Oscar Lindblom, Scott Lawton, I mean, Joel Farabee. I mean, you have these guys. You should not be the worst team in the league. And I'm talking bottom. I'm talking bottom of the barrel since January 1st. They are the third worst power play since January 1st, converting at 11.3% rate. The third worst right behind Seattle and Arizona. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm done. it's not like, yeah, I agree with you. It's not like you have a team like Tampa Bay and you're being negative. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different story. It, being negative in a positive season or a season where, let's say, this year is what it is, but the young guns were lighting it up and you see flashes of, yo, Frost, York, even Farabee, even Konechny, like these guys, they got it for next year. Like Detroit? Yeah. Like Detroit. Like, like Columbus. The Ducks. Columbus. Like the Ducks. Like there, like the Ducks, even though the Ducks have kind of fallen out of a playoff spot. I mean, Columbus is 10 points, 10 points behind a playoff spot, the number two wildcard spot right behind Washington with two games in hand over Washington. So if they go in a little run the next month, they could put themselves right in the playoff position. Jake Voracek could be on a playoff team. I mean, you have these uh, – the Ducks are two points out of a playoff spot with – uh, two less games over Dallas. I mean, like you said, it just there's nothing positive to take away. And if you throw Gary Mayhew at me, I'm going to tell you to fuck off. I'm sorry. As good as the story is, I'm happy for the guy. But Gary Mayhew should not be your best player. And when we talked about this nights and nights ago, Danny, probably at like 3 o'clock in the morning, instead of people getting upset that Gary Mayhew is the best player on the team, they're taking it as a positive. I'm not taking that as a... Gary Mayhew should not be your best fucking player. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to shit on the guy. I'm not. I'm so happy for him. He didn't have a pro contract like a year ago. I'm so happy he's having the success that he is. I'm sure he's a great fucking dude. But Gary Mayhew being your best player is not a positive. It's not a positive, man. You have problems. You have problems when he's outscoring Travis Konechny. Goal-wise. Not point-wise, but goal-wise. I mean, people are throwing this primary assist in my face. Like, I give a fuck, dude. I mean, even if you want to go the assist route, he still only has about 30 points. <laughs> like, on the, it's still not that good. It's not acceptable. I don't care what you what people say to me. I hear you. I hear you, man. But it's like, 
we always hop on here and we always say to each other before we record, I, there's only so much shitting on the team that we can do. And it's not like we, we wake up every day and we're like, we're going to shit on the team today. We're going to shit on Keith Yandel today. No, like it, it, the shit's warranted, man. I mean, people who listen to us since we've created this pod in 2020, right before that bubble fucking season, should know that we call it as it is. If you have been listening to us for the last two and a half years, you know how me and Danny call it. We call it as it is. We call out the bullshit. We're not, I I mean, I like to think that we're optimistic at some points. I mean, we're still hanging on to the fact that Frost can be a player, which I still believe. I think, I still believe in his skill set. I still believe that he could be a top six player in the NHL. But you just got to put him with NHL players and just leave him there. Just let him play 2C next to Konechny and fucking Giroux or Konechny and Farabee. Uh, come on, like put him in the position to succeed. Do not put him with, do not put him with James Van Reems like and Max Wilman. Tell him to concentrate on the defensive end of the game, or he's in the AHL, and then get mad that he's not producing offensively. Like, what sense does that make? That's not how you develop a highly skilled player. And I, 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 I can hear the people right now being like, "Oh, he's just defending Frost. He's just a Frost guy." Like, no, go fuck yourself. They have not put this kid. In a position to succeed. Has he blown the doors off like we said? No, he hasn't. But he hasn't been put in the position to do that. He hasn't been put in a good position. He hasn't been put in a position that best suits his skill set. I mean, I'll, I'll die on that hill. If, nah. if, 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 if they let him play next year, if they go out and get Johnny Hockey and let him center him and Joel Farabee and Frost has fucking 10 points in 70 games, okay, then yeah, I'll fucking say that he's not that not as good as I thought he was. But... Until they do that, man, I'm I'm in on them. I I, I believe in the kid's skill set. Other teams' fan bases are salivating at the fact that he might be available, which I don't think he's going to be. I mean, Flair. Even though I'm annoyed with Flair right now, he has come out and said that they're they're happy with his development, even though he's currently in a press box with Max Wilman. But I mean, like I said, actions speak louder than words. So after this March 21st deadline, I better I better see Morgan Frost playing like 22 minutes a night. The route that they have taken with Frost only would have been acceptable, I believe, if this team was a playoff team. Yeah. If this team was a playoff team and had depth to the point where it's like, all right, the only way you're going to force your way on and earn these minutes on this playoff team is, is if you can hold your own on the defensive end. But like I said earlier in the podcast, when you have Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, mm-hmm. Derek Broussard for most of the season, all injured, and you're still playing him on a line with Willman, when you have better wingers much better wingers you can pair him with. I don't understand how you don't just throw him out there and just go let loose. Go find know. your footing. Like It's not like we want to win anyway. If you turn it over and the puck goes in, good. This isn't our goal <laughs> who, anyway. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I mean, like it's a lost season. I agree. But um, I think we should throw this to the partner real quick because we, we've been running for a bit. The Liberty Yell is now the official partner of Park Sportsbook. New users sign up today using code LIBERTYYELL and get a risk-free bet up to $500. And when you deposit $25, it really helps the boys out. That's LIBERTYYELL, all one word. So if you think you have a lock on a game tonight, why not have some risk-free insurance? Thank you once again to Park Sportsbook and back to the action. All right, to add more on to the optimistic, pessimistic thing, Mm -hmm. to anyone who is optimistic, I mean, good good for you. I'm not going to shit on you, even though I will say it's the wrong opinion i'm gonna be honest but you cannot tell me to be optimistic when what the organization is selling me on is hey we're gonna keep every front office personnel here and we're just gonna go for an aggressive retool when i've never even seen 
a huge addition in my life on this franchise. I swear to God, what Yaramir Yager? <laughs> I believe Yager was like the last like notable, exciting, huge addition I've seen. Yeah, when was the last time we saw a, a Flyers edition that we like got extremely hype about? Probably Ryan, maybe Ryan Ellis. I mean, I was pretty excited. I mean, yeah, this like we don't get that. Mm-mm. We we get we get. I love Justin Braun, but that's that's we get Justin Braun's. Yeah. We get Eric Gustafson's. We get Keith Yandel's. So don't tell me to be optimistic about an aggressive retool when the only thing I've seen aggression-wise from this team has been bad mm-hmm. in terms of going out and signing players. Yeah, Like, like Chuck- you said, the trades have been okay, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like none of them have shown results. Yeah, Chuck's third left-handed D signings the last couple of years have been Eric Gustafson and Keith Yandel. So I mean he's really swung it. He's 0 for 2, bro. He's 0 for 2 with the with the the bottom left pairing defenseman signings the last couple of years. I mean they have been brutal. And like we're not going to sit on sit, sit here and say that we purposely shit on Keith Yandel. Like no, that shit's warranted, man. Like we 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 were sold like we were told that Keith Yandel was just offensive defenseman who can quarterback a power play in his sleep and the guy can't skate. So that's where wasn't we're at. Keith Yandel the reason why Cam York did not make the team out of camp? Wasn't he yeah. the insurance policy, quote unquote, for Cam York? Like if Cam York wasn't ready enough, we're gonna put yeah. him in, like, even gr- though York looked great in training camp. I, 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 granted, he didn't look that good. He, he didn't, didn't look that good. No, no, no. He, he he didn't look good enough to for, for me for even me to 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 give him a spot. Like he started slow in the AHL too. I remember a lot of people screaming right. for York I'll and. Fall back. I remember a lot of people screaming for York and even me on the timeline being like, all right, like he's been, he, he, he just got walked yesterday in overtime in the AHL. Like, let's give him a little bit more time. But like I said, it always goes back to the fact that I think his game translate better translates better to the NHL than does AHL. I mean, he's playing, his D partner is Logan Day, Adam Glendening over there. I mean, it's just like how, how much better is he going to get playing in the AHL with Logan Day and Adam Glendening, who aren't terrible, but I mean, he could be playing with Justin Braun on a, on a sheltered third pair in the NHL that's better structured for his skill set. I mean, I don't, it's not rocket science. So I, I really don't know, man. Like I said, that March 21st deadline is huge for me because that's when I'll hop back on here and start screaming. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But how can we be optimistic when all I see is a GM who loves to throw money at, or overpay players, I should say, a GM that loves to overpay players whose job has been nailed down securely safe by the owner yeah before the trade deadline even happened and then you want me to be optimistic that we're going to go out and get these pieces to make us a winning team when i've when the pieces i've seen us get are dale weiss <laughs> belmar i mean Ke- kevin hayes that that was one of our big ones over the <laughs> last decade kevin yeah. hayes who, who, who's a good player when he's healthy. Like He can play in a lot of situations, but I mean, he's not a player that I'm yeah, running I mean, out to, to dick sporting goods to get his jersey. Look at a small market team like Columbus is, is who I look at, who on the surface, like the casual fan, probably a boring team. Like If they're on national TV, you probably wouldn't want to tune in to watch them. But in the last five or six so years, they've had Duchesne, Panarin, Seth Jones, Bobrovsky. Patrick Lane. Wierenski, Patrick Line, yeah, dude. Like it's it's. I agree. We're talking about the small market Columbus Blue Jackets were able to provide Voracek. their fan base with fun pieces. Yeah, Vorchek, as much shit as I give him, there there's another big one. 
Like, see, like the, the shit that we give Voracek isn't like, oh, he's a bad player. It was the Flyers needed a change of scenery for both players. Uh, we needed a shooter, which we just got in Cam Atkinson, and they needed a playmaker, which they got in Jake Voracek. So, like, it, we're not sitting. We have never sat here and said that Jake Voracek sucks. Which he, 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 he's a good hockey player, but it was time for Jake Voracek to go. We needed a shooter. We got a shooter. I'm doing that trade 10 times out of 10. I don't know how many times I have to say this. But yeah, that it was trade, just no longer a fit. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Patrick Laine this offseason. If you want to win me back, go get, go get fucking Laine. Go get Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, we talk about it all oh, the time. As, oh, as, as bad as it can get, Danny. I mean, we said it on together uh, two days ago. As bad as it's been, if they turn around and they go get Johnny Hockey, I, I'm back in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Yeah, you know what? Let, let me say that. Let me say that because I will say I'm not optimistic of it. But if they do go out and prove me wrong, don't be surprised if I'm right back. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's what we are. We, we, we call it for how it is. That's what this call podcast for how is. It is. Yeah, if they prove me wrong, I will come on here and say they did what it. I did not think that they would do, and I'm excited. We'll eat my fucking words. We and, and gladly. Gladly. And gladly. Absolutely. I, I mean, Patrick Lane has one more year on his deal, and he's a restricted free agent, so they own his rights over there in Columbus. I mean, I know the whole connect knee for line A thing last year was like a big thing, and people were not willing to give up connect knee for him. I mean, now we're all, now we're kind of on a side where Columbus is kind of laughing at that deal. Probably a year ago, they maybe would have done it, maybe with like a third pick thrown in there. But I mean, yeah, just give me something to get excited about, man. I mean, like you said, they're banking on Ryan Ellis to stay healthy, which which scares me, man. I, mean, I can't sit here and say that I'm not scared at the at the fact that. Ellis might not be able to stay healthy. So, it's... Yeah, it's like when, when you see them up on the podium and they say, like, we still think we're good. Next year, we're still going to try to win games. It's like, as a fan, you sit there and go, I mean, all right. Like, I'll be watching, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, but absolutely. I don't think that they have it. But well, we'll see, I guess. Like you said, you said this on the last pod, and I agree with you 100%. If they are really going to do this aggressive rebuild and get us back in here with some exciting players, James Ramey's like, that contract has to go. It starts there. You have to get that money off the books. You have to get that dead money off the books. Could you imagine another $7 million player other than fucking James Ramey's like playing in the top six right now? I mean... It's it's like night and day. He, he he just disappears, dude. If he's not scoring goals, he's doing absolutely fucking nothing. And for an organization that loves their hard hitting two way guys, they really love this dude who doesn't do any of that. Doesn't do any of that, man. It makes no sense. And yet they have the balls to tell Frost to oh finish your checks harder. I mean, tell JVR to go pick up a loose puck. <laughs> That's what I mean, like. Yo, it's like you're doing good things. I just praise you for your power play work, but I would like to see him create more speed through the neutral zone. I was like, yeah, man, me too. I would like the entire fucking team to create more speed through the neutral zone. It's not just Frosty, who granted, yeah, he needs to create more speed through the neutral zone. But I really think uh, with that, uh, I forget his name, Puck Sauce or something like that on Twitter, that, that thread that he made with that GM was in his, uh, his DMs talking about Frost and how... Basically, Frost is just skating in circles right now because he's too worried about getting back, playing that defensive game because he doesn't want to get set down for that reason. So, it's it's a it's a slippery slippery slope for uh for Morgan Frost right now. It really is, unfortunately. It's a toxic slope. Like if yeah. you think about it, 
I mean, I'm. It really they they steer him one direction, then pull him the other. Like going into training camp, work on your two way game. He he shows up, the two way game looks improved. Go get your offensive confidence. He goes and he gets that. Put him with Giroux. Offensive confidence is still there. He's feeding Giroux. Nah, nah, nah. We need more two way game. Go play with Wilman on the bottom six. We we need you more defensively responsive. Like the mixed signals, is crazy. At the end of the day, they're like just be a perfect player. Like thanks, man. Yeah, I mean like that thread also added you you gotta you gotta let younger players play through their strengths and then hope that as they get more confident in their game that those weaknesses will just kind of get better over time and that's usually what happens with the with these kind of players but to go back on that uh seven million dollar uh thing another player other than jvr who makes seven could you imagine Evgeny Kuznetsov, Patrick Lane, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, who all make about seven, seven point five million dollars? Uh, Evander Kane, Matt Pacioretty, Anders Lee. Let me go through the guys real quick who make the exact amount that JVR makes. You ready? The exact at seven million. That's what JVR. You, you even makes, could right? go maybe a step lower if you want. You I may, will. You... I will. I got it right here. Okay. Ah. Evander Kane, Max Pacioretty. Anders Lee, Joe Pavelski, then there, there's JVR, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Gabriel Landeskog, Matthew Barzell, William Nylander, Patrice Bergeron makes 6.8, but that's as far as I'll go because Patrice Bergeron's on a, on a Sean Couturier-type contract, so that's as far as I'll go. But I just listed six players that are just 10 times better than James Ramey, who's like who make the exact amount that he I'm does. I mean, Matthew Barzell. <laughs> He's like the face of that franchise over there. Gabriel Landeskog, who's the fucking Barzell, who, who daggered teams and led a gritty trots team to the ECF in back-to-back <laughs> seasons. Makes the same amount of money as him. Landeskog it, it, has... maddening. And when we say, like, we hate to make it about the money, but this is why we have to. You have to. It's a, it's a salary cap league, man. At the end of the day, this isn't the MLB where they can just throw money at guys, and it really doesn't matter. All owners have to do is pay a, a tax... That's all they have to do in the MLB. I mean, James Van James Reams like has eleven goals in fifty-two games. Ready? Eleven goals in fifty-two games. Gabriel Landeskog has played in forty-five games this year and has twenty-eight. I mean, right there, man. I mean, I go like, through that list that you were giving me the other night of the the <laughs> players who would be leading this team in goal scoring right now. Because I believe as of now, Tage Thompson would lead this team in goals by four. Yeah, Michael uh, Bunting over there in Toronto would be leading the... Tage Thompson would lead this team in goals by four. Yeah. At game 50. Yeah, it's disgusting, dude. I mean, that's that's what we say at the end of the day. I mean, you can throw these assist stats at me with Konechny, but I mean, that's just not doing it. Yeah, he's he's six on the team in goal or whatever it is. 60% of his assists have been primary. I don't give a fuck, dude. That dude needs to score goals. Like, exactly. like that. In, in comparison to the rest of the team, in the grand scale, means nothing. You comparing Kadechny's performance to other players on the same team who have been bad isn't a win. Isn't you going, oh, I'm right. Like, yeah, I told you, Kadechny's like, no, you're proving my point. The team sucks. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. They do. They do, Danny. And it's sad. It's sad that we got to sit here and, and, and be these people because we just call it as it is. Like I said, we call the shots how it is. And that's where we're at right now. I am looking at, I am praying for Logan Cooley, Simon Nemec. I am praying for these guys. Matthew Savoy. I mean, I'm, 
I'm getting excited for a fucking draft again, and I never thought I would. I, I thought we were done. I thought our last two, quote unquote, big prospects were gonna be like Cam York and Bobby Brink and Tyson Forster, who was gonna come up and develop with Morgan Frost and Joel Faraby and all these other guys. Uh, fucking Igor Zamula. It's it's brutal right now, man. It sucks. Uh, hang on for the last. What, two months, Danny? March is coming up soon, so we got all of March, all of April, and then we can finally shift to the offseason and, and, and hopefully stop shitting on this team every time we hop on this pod. Well, thankfully, the, the Sixers came to the rescue Kidding and provided with us with something to look forward to in the meantime. Fucking I mean... James Harden triple-double tonight, uh, today. Dude, uh, he, he was disgusting. <laughs> he's so good, dude. The step-back threes, bro. Uh, I'm no. like... I, like, I almost... Like, I just cheese when I look at my TV. I'm just smiling. Doris I'm just like, it. dude, I'm not even a big basketball guy, but I know that is disgusting. Not we haven't all. had that in forever. That uh, Harden's first game was the most tele, uh, the most watched tele, uh, televised uh, Sixers game since 2001, including playoffs. And that game was a hell of a game, too. Hell of a game. Both of them, dude. Like, they're just fun to watch. That's what happens when, when your team goes out and gets a player to support their other great players and they go on a playoff run like it's not COVID Dave Scott we wouldn't know about that though yeah how about that one tweet that you put up and some guy like replied to you and was like what's Dave Scott got to do with the Sixers like did you listen to the press conference my man did you listen to what he said like the Sixers are also being affected by it I promise you when he makes his Sixers home debut against the Cleveland Cavaliers that that building will be fucking packed that building will be shaking and I'm I'm nah, happy yeah. for Sixers fans I'm happy for Sixers diehards who had to go through years of Michael Carter Williams who had a great rookie season who had to go through years of Tony Roten had to go through years of all these other fucking players I'm, I'm happy for these people I'm, I really am I'm on the bandwagon with you go Sixers here they come let's go <laughs> that's where I'm at for sure. Bleed orange and black. Hey, my man. Hit us up with a question. He said, yay, what a win. What are you gents doing to stay positive with the way the season is going <laughs> to end? What do you each want at the trade deadline? And what does management need to do with or need to do to help Frost and stop screwing him over? Keep up the great podcast, gents, and can't wait to listen. Let's fucking go Flyers and more so TLY. Go Flyers, baby. Yes, sir. Um, You can take that first one if you want. The whole positive uh, thing. I've been watching Logan Cooley highlights. So I've been watching Nemec highlights. Even though there are not a lot of highlights on, on YouTube or anything. I've been reading a lot of scouting reports lately. I mean, that's what I'm doing to like keep my sanity, I guess. Yeah, I have nothing. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing for you. Because like I said <laughs> uh, earlier, I don't think it was on the air. As much as I am excited to watch this next prospect that we're going to get, it's just like we know we're not going to see him for five years. And when we do see him, he's going to be a fourth liner. Yeah, they're going to try so, to turn him into Scott Lawton 2.0. So that's just in my mind. Like, it's impossible for me to be positive about, honestly, anything right now. So, like, it's really just, like, the Sixers keeping me positive. Yeah, I can't Watching blame those. you. I can't blame you at all. What do each one at the trade deadline? Just assets, man. I mean, if you can get back a young player who's going to be here for, this, for the future, that's the only scenario where I say you make, like, a roster move. Like, you get a roster player. But outside of that, we're selling, baby. Yeah, the only the only... The only way that I want a, a a roster player coming back is if he's gonna like like you said if he's young and gonna be here for the next five years. But uh, like Danny said, assets, wrist aligning. I'm hoping if they do trade him and don't resign him that he can 
bring back a first. Uh, Justin Braun, which I don't think is going to be here. I'm hoping he can bring back a second. I'm hoping Keith Yandel waves his no-trade clause so we can get like a six-round pick for him. Uh, Derek Broussard. Martin Jones, I don't think is going to be here. I think you're going to see a lot of Sandstrom. Um, even though I think he's hurt right now. I'm pretty sure Arison's hurt too, which sucks. But uh, I just want the younger players to play after the 21st deadline. That's that, that's where I'm at. I want... Like, if, if we're going to win games, like I was complaining about earlier, I I want it to be on the heels of Zamula, Frost, Yorick, Farabee, all these other guys, Sandstrom. I want it to be on the heels of those guys and not Keith Yandel, Nick Sealer, Derek Broussard, Gary Mayhew, who's not going to not gonna leave this team this year. He's he, he's on the Flyers for the rest of the year. So uh, anybody complaining about Mayhew being on the team, get over it because he is not, not leaving this team unless he gets hurt, knock on wood, but... And if they execute this trade deadline well, and they get good hauls for the players I think that they're going to ship, I will be more than glad to tune in for that last month of watching those young guys play it out. Yeah. And maybe then I'll have some glimmer of positivity to ride me out into the offseason. Like I said, they could realistically, Danny, if they end up training Ristolainen and Claude Giroux, they could realistically have three first-round picks next year. I think Giroux can garner back a first-round pick. I think Ristolainen could bring back a first-round pick because, I mean, we know that Chuck Fletcher said last year that there were, he wasn't the only GM that was willing to give up a first-round pick. So I don't see why other GMs would not be willing to do it now because I think Ristolainen has been good this year. So we could uh, we could beat this, uh, the, the, the Eagles this year. First three, uh, three first-round picks, uh, I'd be back. You'd see me back into it a little bit if we had three first-round yeah, picks. Because then we have chips to go to the poker table with. Exactly. And now like, so having three first-round picks before anybody comments, that doesn't mean that they're going to use all three. You can use some of those first-round picks as ammo to go get a player like they did with Mr. Linen. You can use it as ammo to go get a player. They can use it as ammo to go get a Patrick Line, who's a restricted free agent this year. that You'd have to probably trade for him and get his rights. Ammo, 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 ammo is what I want. That's all I want right now. That's all I care about. Ammo and play my prospects. Jamie Martinez, when we hanging, bros, I'd love to talk hockey with you dudes. Definitely got to hang out with Jamie soon. I've been telling him that for the last year. So definitely got to get together. Maybe watch one of these shitty Flyers games together. Maybe yeah, that's, watch. That's what I was about to say. It's such a shame because imagine, uh, imagine if we had playoff vibes right now, like late February, early March, man. It's just like just like we had before COVID hit. Remember, remember the oh my gosh, remember yeah. the vibes then, man. Yeah, dude, we were together for almost every game. I remember, oh, I remember the games against Washington when we destroyed Washington like twice in like two weeks. I remember sending out a tweet and just watching it blow up. Like everybody was so invested into the Flyers, and it was so fun. The community was amazing. Now everyone's just like. Give me assets. Give me assets. And I can't blame them. That's where I'm at, too. Everyone's arguing with each other and arguing. Like, I got to say this. Like, we got to stop arguing over stupid shit, man. Like, like arguing over whether Scott Long should be captain. Is that one of yeah, your things? That, <laughs> yeah, we, we got to stop bringing up players who are no longer here. Like, Goss Despair, NAK. Uh, we got to stop talking about, like, Ryan Hartman. Like, every time he scores, it's getting quote tweeted. Like, oh, Chuck, another one, huh? Like, we, we got we to gotta chill. Yeah, I mean Hartman's like the, on a really good wild team over there, so ext- extremely well built, well built, ah, well built wild team. So it's just like my focus is like, all right, we're here now. <clears throat> Let's focus on getting out of it. 
I mean, we can look at it positively or we can look at it negatively, but that's where the focus should be. That's where the conversation should be. I just, I don't know, dude. Like, the timeline is still filled with, like, people arguing about, like, Hextall draft picks and, like, I'm just like, man, that era is gone, dude. Like, it is a whole new set of problems now. I don't... Danny, I still you get see, what I'm saying? I still see people complaining about the Braden Shen trade as if I give Yeah, the up. Braden Shen trade. It's the whole thing. Like It's a joke, dude. I know. I feel you. But, I mean, that's where we are. Like, people are just kind of nitpicking. I mean, that, that that's what happens when you're the worst team in the league since January 1st. I, mean, I can't blame these people. I mean, they they, they got to have something to talk about, right? I guess. They just got to ignore it, man. That's why I'm kind of just like sticking to myself, doing my own thing here. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Is yep. there anything else you would uh, like to cover? Uh, Ivan Fedotov, uh, he might be a flyer next year. Uh, Flair has said that he's contacted him and his agent, and he the indication is that he would be willing to come over and uh, and play. He's been amazing over there in the KHL. 14-10-2, two, uh, two goal against average with a 9-19 save percentage. Um then Russia in the Olympics, he was he has a 1.61 goal against average with a 9.43 save percentage. So he's a guy that is playing really well in a pro league over there. Um, obviously, he'd have a little bit of adjustment with the North American ice. But, I mean, I could see him being a guy that could be fighting for the backup spot next year for against uh, with, with, with Carter Hart, behind Carter Hart, with Sandstrom and Arison, hopefully. So that's something to look forward to with him. Uh, Bobby Brink is still number one in the... In college hockey with how many points does he have? 50 points in 31 games. Uh, he has more than Matty Beneers, who's the second overall pick in 2021. Uh, Beneers is eighth in the college hockey with 36 points in 29 games, so that's really nice to see. Um, Emil Andre has 32 points in 36 games in the Swedish League. I mean, he's playing with grown men over there, and he's only 20 years old, so that's really nice to see. And then Ronnie Attard, who... As third on Western Michigan in points right now with 11 goals, 19 assists, 30 points in 31 games. So he's definitely the best right-handed defenseman that we have. He's probably one of the only right-handed defensemen that we have, I think. So uh, he might be able he, – he might be signed soon, and I could see him in the AHL next year. So it, it, I want to ask you something about Emil. Yeah. This, this year is the year his playing time got a huge jump, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember, like you said, he's playing with grown men. I remember off off the start, he definitely was playing scattered minutes. So in his first real showcase, he's honestly kind of doing what York was doing, is what you're, what you're telling me? Just yeah. improving? Honestly, that was exactly what I was just going to say. He kind of got the York treatment because I remember the first, year, the first year that York played in the World Juniors, he played behind older talent, didn't really play that much. And the same thing happened with Emil Andre. I remember he played behind uh, older talent on Team Sweden. And then the next year, York is the captain of Team USA. We all know what happened there. Same thing happened with Andre. Next year, he played. He was like one of the top four defensemen on that team. Kind of blew up. So kind of like the Cam York effect, yeah. I still think he's like a year or two away from playing, coming over here and playing in the uh, – in the pro league, but I mean, he's almost a point per game player, 32 and 36 games in a pro league over there at 20 years old. So it's, it's impressive. It's another draft pick that I'm looking at from Chuck and being like, okay, maybe we have something there. Cause you still have day or nay who's lighting up the QMJHL. So it's exciting, but yeah, I don't want to get too Forrester, excited. Emil and Daynoyer, man. 2020 looks pretty solid. Yeah. Forrester is a, like you said, last pod, I'm still excited for him, even though, 
the injuries kind of scare me, but he's a player for sure. And, and as far as goalies go, for years my dream was always to have Carter Hart and then his backup be one of these goalies on an yeah. ELC. Whether it's Arison, Sandstrom, Fedotov, whoever earns it, my dream is always, like especially now, Carter Hart 3.9 million. It'd be so nice to have a awesome. formidable ELC backup who is also going to take strides and maybe one day it could get to a point where you could trade that prospect who's been the backup because yeah. he's going to demand more money and so on. That's always been my dream. So to see Fedotov maybe in the competition at Hope, camp, maybe. Cool. Yeah. Don't forget about Aleski uh, Kolosov, who's the 78th, 78th overall pick in 2021. He's 11-9-1 in the KHL right now with a 2.9 goal against average and a 906 save percentage. And he was 5-0 in the World Junior Under-20 tournament for Belarus with a 1.6 goal against average and a 932 save percentage. So he's another goalie prospect that we just recently drafted who's looking pretty good over there in a, in a pro league in the KHL. So it's exciting. Did you see that the KHL is not going to allow non-Russian players next year? I didn't see that, no. Yeah, I just saw that tweet like an hour or two ago. It might be like in the works or it might not be fully official yet but it's being talked about that the khl is only going to be russian players next year well i did see uh due to the current events obviously yeah i did see wayne gresky say that he thinks that they shouldn't let russian players play in the world junior tournaments coming up so that's another thing you got to keep an eye on keep a tab yeah on. fifa too i think fifa is they did they did they did so that's definitely another thing to keep an eye on for sure Maybe is that what? Wait, when did the news of him coming to North? Did that come out after all this popped off? Or? Yeah, uh, before I think. Before, okay. yeah, I think so, but we'll see. It's exciting, but not too exciting, I guess. Something. Yeah, it's, it's something. something. It's for sure. Something. And and to think like, most of our prospect pool this year has been completely injured, so it's hard to take, and the ones who aren't aren't being played, so it's hard to get fully excited about that but as much shit as i, I talked about the or like it's going to be nice to have like a maybe top five pick to be excited about i mean come on we all know how it gets in the summer when you miss hockey you talk yourself into the team oh, and yeah. when, when development camp hits and we're watching a top five pick hopefully a stud that should be fun just stay between the one eight range that's all i'm saying man like don't don't separate yourself don't separate yourself this this team isn't doing anything don't go on a 10 game winning streak as as bad as it is to say that, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, I mean, if Giroux goes, there's just no chance no, of it. No. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <sighs> yeah, that that's the one. state of the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> Summed up in 77 minutes, right there, baby. We'll be back next week with another Debbie Downer podcast. <laughs> Probably, yep. At the Liberty L on all socials. At Tly Danny. At Chris Stumps on Twitter. Go floor.